Hello, teachers. You are watching or listening to the thing that we do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, Brother Wing. How are you, Brother Wing? Oh, so good. You are so good. Look at us wearing our ties. And it's like we had official meetings and stuff that we had to look presentable for probably today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always shave and I always shave and wear a white shirt and tie on Fridays. Yeah. Is that? Uh, yes. That's what Since we always April. We since the second week in April. Yeah. I've done it every time. <laughs> it's a new, turning over a new leaf. So what we share today probably will actually be helpful teachers as opposed to what we've shared the other uh, 50 times we've done this because we are wearing shirts and ties. Um, this week in seminary, we've got on Monday, we've got Matthew 18, 11 through 14, just four little verses there. Uh, we've got the next day, we got Matthew 18, 21 through 35. These are, by the way, these are really good chapters. I know. I, I think I probably say that every week. Maybe not, maybe not every week, but this week for sure. Uh, Wednesday, we got Luke 10, 25 through 37. And then, um, Luke 10, 38 through, uh, 42. And then Friday, we've got a doctoral mastery review of Matthew 22, 36 through 39. And then, uh, Doctoral Master Review 6. So, Brother Wing, uh, maybe I ought to put you on a spot, on the spot. You, you you might think Brother Wing and I prepare for hours for this, uh, but it's not true. We only prepare for like three or four hours, not, not multiple. No, we actually don't. We just study the scriptures and then I say, you ready to hit record? And then we do it. Um, but I'm going to make Brother Wing give you a middle one month to go in seminary teaching tip brother wing what would you what advice or counsel would you give to a teacher who is on mile 25 of their 26 mile marathon and uh what 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 teaching tip or advice can get them across the finish line okay i'm going to i'm going to give a cynical way of starting this but i promise okay. it's actually positive okay, okay? So let's just assume, you know, last month of the school year, the students are just ready to finish. Like they may not hate seminary, but they hate school, right? They're done, <laughs> you know, with, with the school year itself, you know, right. and, and perhaps they're getting worn down by getting up early in the mornings also, but I know they love you teachers and I know they love seminary anyway. So, but perhaps they're not, I mean, what are you going to get out of them for this last month? I mean, maybe nothing. Right? <laughs> that's the, that's the maybe nothing. negative sounding part of this. But, um, but I would, this is my tip. So think of in terms of you passing the baton in a way to your students who now have to run on their own oh. after seminary is over, especially yeah. those seniors, of course. And so you might think, well, what am I going to do with this last month? You know, because... I mean, it could just be a train wreck, you know, it just like, you know, tr struggling through this last month. Um, and perhaps there are some difficulties that you might face over this last month that you wouldn't normally face um, as you continue to teach seminary. By the way, I'm not think, saying that things are just going terrible for you. I know great yeah. things continue to happen right. in these classrooms, but I would make a little bit of a mental shift of saying, how do I transition them? And a couple of things that might help you is to do a little more of letting the students uh, teach, you know, 
a little more of getting them to, um, whether it's like prepared ahead of time, like, hey, student, hey, will you take this part and and teach this in class for these 10 minutes? Or or maybe it's like right in class when you have them um, talk about what they want to talk about um, from the, and, and we'll share some ideas about this later with this particular content. Um, but, but just however it comes out um, and let the Holy spirit guide. But as you're open to the idea of saying, I'm going to just do a little more of turning things over to them as far as teaching the class that might help. A second idea is with their personal scripture study. So again, think in terms of what's their personal scripture study going to be like in June. And what can I do now that might increase the chance that that's going to be consistent and meaningful in June? And so if you're looking at a student right now who's like, there's no chance, like that kid, that, that's not a personal scripture study student. You might have one or two of them in your class that there's like, I'd be highly surprised if he reads the scriptures on his own in June. Well, that becomes, that would be, that would be my focus over mid-April to mid-May is do anything at all with that particular student to try to help uh, make scripture study more likely for him. Uh, That's a really good analogy. I like that. Helping them feel that burden of learning so that it's just not all of a sudden dumped on them. Like, good luck, students. We'll see you in three months. And then they don't crack open the scriptures for those those three months. I like that. Nice job coming up with that, Brother William. I'm proud of you. It's like you've done this for a little while. Right on. All right, so uh, let's get into this week's scripture. So we got Matthew 18. I think it would be important, actually, to start in, to set up the context using Matthew 17. There's this little exchange that happens at the very end of Matthew 17 where, where Jesus is asked to basically pay taxes, all right, and uh, to kings and rulers. And he has this little discussion with Simon, uh, with Peter about, um, paying tribute to kings and things like that. And Jesus said, let's not offend them. Let's go out and cast a hook and take up a, a fish and there'll be some money in it. And sure enough, they caught a fish and there was money in it that he could, he could pay tribute to. But the net in chapter 18, then it says, it starts off chapter 18 says at the same time, came the disciples unto Jesus saying, who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So you can kind of see this little discussion about kings and, and their place and why are they taxing these people? And they seem to be set up above all other people and are better than everybody else. Then the question naturally comes like, are they going to be like that in the next life? Like who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so that's, this is when Jesus pulls a, a, a little child up and he says, um, unless you're converted, and become like little children, you can't enter into the kingdom of, of heaven. He talks about uh, if you offend one of these little ones, and we offend in this case means if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, uh, then it's better if you have a, a millstone hang, hang around their neck. Now, I think that's talking about little kids, but I think that's also talking about, Jesus is talking about his followers, those who are, have been converted and become like little children. He's talking, he's warning those who offend or cause uh, the followers of Christ to stumble. Uh, but it's interesting, um, I think, when uh, when we're talking about, I think, where, where do we start this uh, lesson on in Matthew 18? What verse is yeah, it? In the manual, it says 11 
to 14. Yeah. So there's anytime the word little one, I did some research, Brother Wing, for you. You might like this. Anytime it says uh, little one, the Greek translation is mikros, which means insignificant. And so I think Jesus really did pull up a little child. But then when he's saying the word little ones, he's talking about those who the world deems insignificant. So um, later on, when he talks about uh, God's will, our father's will is not for any of these little ones to perish. He's not just talking about kids. He's talking about about you and me, the ones that we're not the we're not the kings and rulers of the the that people have have made us, but we are to to our heavenly Father. We are just as as meaningful and just as important. And so, um, when Jesus says, "Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven?" It's really the insignificant ones, not just little children, but the insignificant ones, the ones who the world has judged to be. Uh, not valuable or not important or not opinion leaders or or uh or rulers uh of any or any of those it's it's you and i oh well maybe just me uh but <laughs> you're not one of those insignificant ones so that was kind of i think that's kind of a a good setup there because especially for our for our high school students um who this is a real i mean so many you know just uh, so many today, and it's not, I guess it's not just teenagers, are looking for, for likes and um, comments on Instagram and Facebook and, and wanting, to be, wanting to be significant. And Jesus is saying, being significant in the eyes of the world is nothing compared to being uh, significant in my eyes. And, and he wants us to be, he, we are the little ones that he's talking about. Uh, that he cares so much about here. Yeah, that goes back to Matthew 16 when he's like, whoso shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall find it. Like, that, you know, accumulating this worldly wealth is not the point. And I like the idea of just thinking, how do you get to heaven? You either die as a little child yeah. or you become as a little child, little child, right. As an adult, you know? And so it's, it's the childlike that are, that are going. And so we have to make a decision there. I do think that the, you know, the point in the manual where it talks about helping people who struggle spiritually, that is a very relevant thing for our students. Mm -hmm. That's something that they've dealt with already um, in their life. And if you start class by saying today's lesson, we're going to talk about how to help somebody who's struggling spiritually. Right. You probably have their attention right off the you know, bat. Yep. If they're awake enough to hear that, but yeah. <laughs> that's it. And so I like the context here, even though the lesson manual starts at verse 11, I think it's good to go to verse one and let the first 10 verses kind of provide the context um, and help them see that. Um, so it's, I, I would think it's worth doing a little feasting on verses one through 10. Right. And in fact, here's a little idea. You could write on the board or display on a screen just the first two verses of chapter 18, and that's it. And then pretend like they're the only two verses of Matthew 18. You know, just say, look, isn't this crazy? There's just this really short chapter in Matthew. It's only two verses long. What do you think about these two verses? Because who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Cool question. And then you could pretend that Jesus didn't say anything. Yeah. Just 
called a little child unto him, set him in the midst of them. Boom. Good idea. Now, what's he, what's Jesus saying here? What does he mean by this? You know, and, and then they, they probably will catch you in there in that lie that there's more to chapter 18, but you keep pretending <laughs> like that's it. And um, let them kind of investigate what verse two really teaches. And then if they don't catch you in the lie and they really think that's the end of the chapter, then you can blow their minds and be like, there's actually more. Don't you want to see it? <laughs> and uh, go with verses three through six, you know, at least to kind of talk about uh, how he elaborates on that and what he teaches. And then you can go in. I think then there's a little more depth or the, the soil has been prepared a little bit more to then go to verses 11 through 14 and talk about how this really does show the love of God for everyone, all of their friends who are struggling, all of their friends who don't know anything about the church or don't know anything about Jesus, like that God loves them all and that he will help. He will, he's, he's got plans in place to lead them back and, or to lead them at all, you know, and help them. And so God, God has great compassion for everyone. Excellent. Excellent. I like that. Um, is there anything else we need to say about verses 11 through 14? And I guess we, we've just kind of set it up. I think your students, I mean, you're, you're going to hear this little story about, uh, Jesus going after the one sheep. We've heard this story many, many times, but I think it would be helpful. Uh, and I think in verse 14, where the savior uses that word, little ones, again, like I mentioned, Point out to them, he's not just talking about little kids. He's talking about those who follow him, those who are converted, like little children. And so he's talking about, about you and me. And so I think that will help them understand the story, maybe on a personal level, when um, when they're able to recognize that, that you got a hundred sheep, not a single one of them is insignificant to the Lord. That might be insignificant to uh to the person buying the sheep or whatever, but, uh, or selling the sheep, but, uh, they're not insignificant. Not a single one is insignificant to the Lord. Yeah. Okay. I think verse 14 has a cool cross reference, um, to lead to Mosiah 28, where it talks about the oh, son yeah. of Mosiah wanting to go to the Lamanites and preach the gospel. I mean, to, to, to a Nephite at that time, Lamanites were pretty insignificant, you know, in fact, enemies right. and not worth, the time. In fact, that's where they laughed. The son, some of them laughed the sons of Mosiah to scorn, like saying, this is a ridiculous idea, but the sons of Mosiah essentially were saying they're significant to the Lord and therefore let's give it a shot. All right. And again, I think that's a great way to measure our discipleship as well is, is how do we feel about, how are we feeling about others and their salvation and their, uh, their spiritual safety or spiritual standing and if we have desires to help them, like the sons of Mosiah did, I think we're in a pretty good spot. But if if we have other thoughts, like, well, yeah, they deserve that, or whatever re other reason why they might be lost, uh, they, you know, I think that that also is a good commentary on where we might be at in our discipleship as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So uh, the next day we got, um, oh, lost my screen there. We've got, Matthew 20, Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Get us started on that one, Brother Wing. Okay, this is a great story. This is one of those classic places where I don't know that you have to set up a lot yep. of stuff or give a yeah. lot of background. You might just only point out that a talent was a, a measure of, of money, you know, 
um, you could kind of talk about, you know, people have their projections. In fact, in the teacher manual, it gives Elder Holland's math to kind of try to. What does he? What number does he come up with in the teacher's manual? Yeah, he said um, ten thousand talent debt so freely forgiven might have approached a billion or more. Yeah, I just look. Yeah. When did he say that? I'm thinking about inflation. That that was. I came uh, up with a three. 2017. Yeah. yeah. The one that one source I looked at said 3.5 billion. Yeah. Uh, or I, I or, heard someone else who came up with a stat of 20 billion. Um, <laughs> so say, let's stick with Elder Holland or, 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 and then the, the pence, I'm, this is a riveting podcast so far, you know, it says 10, 10,000 talents, three and a half billion. The other thing I came up is a hundred pence. I think in the old seminary teacher's manual, that was that equaled a hundred days labor. So you got paid a pence every day. So um, and then the talents would have been like a hundred billion days of labor. Would have been how much that oh, that's ten thousand yeah. talents would have been. So it's a good way of looking at it. So yeah. Anyway, you might recognize or point out the difference. You know, you could have just those uh, figures on the board in some way to show, you know, 100 pence is three months labor, 10,000 talents is this astronomical number that, you know, nobody could possibly, uh, no poor person could possibly pay off in their lifetime. Um, and then let them go with the story, you know, just, and, you know, you could give a little clarification to say, like, why don't you read this? And then, Come up with your two main points. Like, what are the two main lessons learned mm -hmm. from this? This is an example of turning the teaching over to them. Because once they have to write out a couple of points and you say, what are the, what did you write out? Or, you know, most students are going to then explain that. And when they start explaining, they accidentally start teaching and testifying um, there. So uh, this is an example of how to do that. But this story is... I think interesting enough and unique enough, and they're going to start to get some principles uh, that they learn from it. And uh, after they've read, you know, the whole thing, 21 to 35, um, they probably will have some opinions about this and what it means and how they could apply it. And that's just good scripture feasting right there. Right. And I think I, this, this might set you up for a theme uh, for the week as well, because you're going to get to the good Samaritan story as well. But I might set it up like just by saying, hey, we're going to scripture feast today. Um, what do you see? Where do you see? How, how was I going to ask this? Oh, I just forgot how I was going to ask this. Basically, asking your students in what way uh, do you or what in this story, which part, which person represents you, which person represents the Lord and which person represents your neighbor? Uh, and what do you learn? as you view these, as you look at the, as you read the story, trying to identify those three individuals, I think they'll see that, um, that they represent the individual with all the debt that, that needs to be forgiven by the creditor and the creditor being the savior, but then their neighbor is the one that in respective to the creditor doesn't really owe them much. And so how are we going to treat them? Are we going to forgive them? Uh, and, Luckily, we only have to forgive them 490 times. So, but that might that might come up uh, in the the parable of the Good Samaritan when the when the person asks the question, "Who is my neighbor?" 
and we can see how we're supposed to treat, love God and love our neighbor. So what do you think, yeah. Brother Wayne? Yeah, that's a great connection between those two. And I just want to point out one more thing on, on this. The teacher manual has some really a lot of good resources, lots of great quotes to go mm-hmm. along with this story that will help. But there's also, I mean, I, I really liked the video. Yeah, the video is really good. So at the very bottom, you just scroll all the way to the bottom mm-hmm. of that lesson. And in the supplementary learning activity, there's that video. It's a really good video to kind of overview this. You could show it at the first and then have right. them read it, or you could have them read it, talk about it, what they learned from it, and then show the video and then talk about application. Right. No, that's good. And so there's a great video with, uh, there's a great video with that, the creditor. Uh, I think that President Packer narrates that. I haven't seen the video for a second, but isn't President Packer, uh, no, is that a different one that he, remember that one? Oh yeah, that's the, that's the a different mediator story. one. Yeah. The mediator. Yeah. I'm thinking of a different one. I've got creditor and mediator, mediator messed up. Anyway, forget about that. Well, that'll come up another time, but there's another great video that goes along with the parable of the Good Samaritan that I think is very well done. That was done by BYU a long time ago, and um, is that in the teacher's manual as well? Down there at the bottom, um, they have the other Bible video, but not that BYU one. I like the BYU one because they uh, it's easy to see this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan as a story of of the savior and the story of, of us, I think in the video, I mean, it just goes right through the scripture. I think the Bible video is fine too, but I think what we're saying is variety is a great thing to, to involve in your seminary classroom, especially now at the end of the semester. So don't be afraid to show a video or two. That might be a nice thing. So we've got Luke chapter 25 or chapter 10, sorry, Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37, the the um, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Again, this is one that I think your your students can, uh, you look at the question that's asked, who is my neighbor? And just ask your students, why would Jesus respond to this question in this way? Um, and, and let them feast on that. How would you do that, Brother Wing? Yeah, and I, speaking of variety, I don't want to sound like I don't have like I, or that I only have one idea here. Yeah. But wouldn't it be cool if this chapter ended at verse 26? <laughs> so <laughs> so again, you only do the first two verses. What should I do to inherit eternal <laughs> Well, he says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And then verse 26, he said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? End mm-hmm. of story, done. No more of the chapter. Right. Like pretend for a second that that's it. And Jesus, the chapter ends with that. And so, okay, so students, what is written in the scriptures about what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, like how readest thou, you know, and, and like, look, you've been a seminary student for several months, at least, (laughs) you know, what have, what have you learned in the scriptures to answer the question that Jesus posed in verse 26? and um, see what they have to say. And then obviously there's there's much more to the story as we get to this parable of the Good Samaritan, but it'd be fun to pause between verse 26 and 27 and pretend like that was it. Right, right. I think there's some great, uh, I think that they'll, they'll be able to scripture feast on this story and 
and see the savior and see themselves in the story, uh, especially as they read it. I, and I think I'd do it that way too. I, I might have them, I would show the video for sure. I'm just trying to decide whether I would show the video first or have them read the scriptures first. I think I'd have them study the scripture first and then immediately show the video and then have them talk about what they see mm-hmm. in there. Maybe I'd try Yeah, that. and this does connect with, you know, back in uh, Matthew 18, we were talking about those who are struggling spiritually. Right. You know, my wife had a really cool insight. So I ran, <laughs> I ran that half marathon. Yes. And she was at mile 12 waiting for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, apparently it was, I don't remember this. I mean, I remember seeing her, but I, it was when she, the point when I saw her, it was at the top of a hill. Right. And I don't remember that. Maybe I was so delirious that I didn't even <laughs> you were probably I was coming up a hill. Anyway, she, as she was watching people come in, she noticed that everybody had a different facial expression. Some people were just jogging along like it was a breeze. Other people were in deep, obvious pain. Even she noticed that their gait was kind of off in some cases, like they're obviously mm-hmm. um, not functioning normal. And then right. other people were even crying, you know, as they were coming up. <laughs> oh, and I, I was one of those people that were crying, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Crying on the inside, but not on the outside. <laughs> but um, anyway, she kind of had this um, epiphany of an idea that here she was just standing there and she's, she's very, uh, she's a very loving cheerer of other people mm-hmm. in at this race and in life. And, um, and she was noticing how she's cheering for all these people at this race, people that she doesn't even know, but she recognizes that they're in a lot of pain and doing something unique. And so she's kind of encouraging them along. And she's like, what if this wasn't like a physical running race? What if this was like an emotional mm. half marathon or you know, a, a trial that they're experiencing, but you don't, you don't see it. You know, you interact with people, you don't know that they're on this route. That's very difficult. And they reach right. this point where they just came up from up a hill and it's really difficult in their life. And if we knew that we probably would be like, you know, cheer wow, you did. like yeah. you're, you're amazing. Like keep going, you know? And, and she made the point, like everybody's successful, not because of how, what their time is, they're being successful because they're doing something super difficult. They're staying mm. on course. They're putting one foot in front of the other. So whether they're have a pleasant look on their face or they're crying, they're all successful, you know, because, because yeah. they're putting one foot in front of the other and they're doing this. And so this is kind of the point, I guess, with the Matthew 18, as well as these people like the good Samaritan who recognizes someone in need They may not be like them. He doesn't have the same problems as him, but he goes to serve in the way Christ would serve or cheer them along on the way Christ would cheer them, cheer them along. And so we got people all around us who are suffering. We don't always see the sufferings. Um, Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but we could probably assume safely assume that no matter who it is that we're interacting with, something serious is going on in their life. There's some sorrow uh, that they That's have true. as well. And, and, uh, this good Samaritan story is really going to teach us, um, how to be a good neighbor. Excellent. You know, I think that, I think that's a pretty good segue into the next, uh, story that your students are going to read. It's just, uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And, um, I think this story is, 
This story causes the more hands to ring in relief societies than any other story in the in the scriptures, right? There's people sticking up for Martha. There's people that's sticking up for Mary. And there's no one really that needs to be uh, stuck up for <laughs> in, this, <laughs> in this story. But I do think that it relates to kind of what we've been talking about, about um, maybe struggling spiritually, not that either Mary or Martha were, but I think the story can illustrate that just in the question and maybe this is my how you start um the the class is martha right to jesus's face says ask the question dost thou not care and i think that's a question that uh that maybe your students have had before uh maybe for sure it's a, a question when we don't have a, a prayer that's that's answered in the way that we want or here, Martha saying, Lord, does that not, does thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Her premise is that uh, the Lord might be ambivalent about this, that he just, you know, that he is just relaxing and doesn't really isn't worried about what other people are doing or what's going on. But it's eaten Martha up inside, it appears, because she then tells him, will you tell her to help me? Um, and sometimes... I think in our in our emotional marathons that we're running, uh, that would be a that would be a question that we might ask uh, God. Like, do you not care? Uh, Joseph Smith asked a question similar to that when he's in the Liberty Jail. Um, where are you? Um, and so they might find your students. I think setting up this 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 chapter or these verses this way. Your students might be able to find some relevance uh, as there's things that are going on in their lives that they are cumbered about by many things, uh, many good things. And but there's some things in their life that aren't happening for them in the way that they want them to happen. And so maybe they're frustrated a little bit with with the church. Maybe they're frustrated with God. Maybe they're frustrated with priesthood leaders or young women's leaders. So what do you think, Brother Wing? Yeah, that's a cool application. And this is another place where it's only a few verses, but, and this is, you know, this is kind of my go-to approach, but I just really don't want to, I like that, that, that kind of stuff can come out of this mm -hmm. story. And so to invite that out of the students is like, don't do too much for them right, right. at the first, just talk to them about who, Mar remind them who Martha and Mary are, you know, give a little, that kind of a context but then see what they come up with. And it might come up with what the kind of things that you just described, which would be a great conversation to have as a seminary class, a great safe place to talk about those kinds of things and, and uh, the real things that are going on in their life. I really also like how the teacher manual takes this and talks about there's some priorities here and we might want to think about our time and be able to be wise um, with our time and choose the things that are of the highest priority, you know, like is kind of presented here. I, you teachers, you may like how the teacher manual kind of sets all of this up. It's kind of lengthy how it sets up these verses. I would actually just go straight to the verses and then go to that beginning part. Like there's a little um, kind of let the students kind of see how these there's four statements and how they describe the student and they can kind of do a little self-evaluation there that could be used at the beginning to prepare them for these verses. I think that actually be more effective 
after they've studied the verses and they can start to kind of think about the principle here of priorities. And this is another great place to prepare for June is because you might just kind of put in their minds like, okay, look, there's a lot of, you're probably stressed out right now. You got tests, you got finishing the school year, you're, you know, you're tired, you're busy, you know, that kind of stuff. You probably have a bunch of other things going on in life as well. Well, June's going to come or the end of the school year is going to come and you might find that you have some free time, you know, at that point, whether even if you're graduating, um, you might have some free time then. So what are you going to do with that? And this this might be a great time to plan ahead and think about what's the highest priority um, here. Another great application of this is, you know, uh, they they um they quote in the teacher manual, President Oaks, who says, just because something is good is not a sufficient reason for doing it. Right. You know, we live in this world where there's tons of good things to do or yeah. good things to watch or good things to even learn about, you know, on social media. And that's not a sufficient reason just because it's good. You can just find yourself lost and doing right. nothing, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. So we got to. Um, proactively decide what's most important. And this is, this is just a little story that kind of hits to the core there, you know, about making choices with our time and then perhaps giving the students a little time in class to then think about what they're doing with their time, either right now or in the next couple of months, like to prepare for a time when they've got more free time, what are they going to do with it? And why is it so valuable to, uh, make decisions ahead of time about, about that. Absolutely. I think it's interesting that Mary or Martha, uh, she, the, the phrase in there is that Martha received him into her house. And I, I would have your students pick out interest, uh, what they feel might be important words like cumbered received. So how did she, re- she, when she received him, she brought him into her house and then immediately she was cumbered about she had so many she was crowded by all the things that she had to do uh and missed out on some and was missing out on a on another opportunity and so i think that might be your students have done a great job of receiving jesus but then after we've received him what are we going to make do to make sure that we engage with him uh the whole time what that he's with us so all right one other thought as far yeah. as like, you know, engaging with the Lord, choosing what's most important, valuing, you know, our time on earth and using it wisely. The hymn, hymn number 226, Improve the Shining Moments. Yeah. That's that's a good one just to read the lyrics of you can sing it, of course. You, you would sing to. it to the I would I would sing a solo for my right. students, but you guys might want to just read it. But <laughs> <laughs> 226. Excellent. All right. Well, and then the next day we got Dr. Mastery and that concludes our, that concludes our week. So any last words we want to give these teachers, Brother Wing, or if we, do you think anyone's still listening? (laughs) You're doing great teachers. We love you. (laughs) All right, teachers. Thanks for listening. You're doing a great job. You're going to, you're going to make it and your students are going to just be so grateful for all that you've taught them, especially the study of the scriptures. They're going to read all summer long. It's going to be great. All right. Love you guys, everybody. Stay righteous. Stay righteous.